showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. I've been trying to tell y'all Brett Clayton's coming to rob your bank. Listen up, you shut up! And I came to put a bullet in him. My name is Johnny Black. I am no gentleman and I am no preacher. I thought I would join you for breakfast. Hallelujah. That man is not what he pretends to be. Surprise! Didn't the Bible say to turn the other cheek? I don't know. I mean, probably. Yeah. I said stop. Stop me. But it also said you could hit a bully with a slingshot. And this is mine. I'm crack shot, Mom. Well, now you just shot. I think ain't no preacher at all. False prophets rose among the people. You know this vile man, Reverend Famine? Reverend Famine? Ah! I'll be Reverend Famine, and you'll be my deacon. Now, why in God's name would I agree to do something like that? There's oil been found on the property. Ooh, hallelujah! Now, this town is about to come into a whole heap of money. We must arm ourselves and prepare for the worst. Well, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Let's go. I say a life worth living is a life worth defending. I was beginning to think I lost you to another woman. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, then you are shackled to your past. Put me down! Say, turn it loose. Turn it loose. You don't drop your guns by the end of this sentence. That wasn't a complete sentence. What happens when pasty-faced podcaster Mike White talks with living legend Michael Jai White all about his latest film, Outlaw Johnny Black? Well, you're about to find out, folks, because I had the pleasure of talking with Mr. White all about his latest film. It is a Western where Mr. White plays the titular character, Outlaw Johnny Black. Had a great time talking with Mr. White. I've been trying to do that for years, so I was very pleased when I got offered this interview. And it was great finally being able to see Outlaw Johnny Black. I was a backer of the Indiegogo or Kickstarter or whatever that was all those years ago. Always nice to see projects like that when they finally come to fruition. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the interview. The interview I've always dreamed of, Mike White talking <laughs> with Mike White. Yeah, this is a first for me. <laughs> I am super thrilled to be talking with you because I've been a fan for a long time. I love Black Dynamite, so I was super excited to talk with you about Outlaw Johnny Black. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Mike White. <laughs> So tell me where the idea of Outlaw Johnny Black came from. Tell me 
the process about getting made? Well, I had this idea back when I did and wrote Black Dynamite. I always wanted to do an homage to Western, but West exploitation type of thing. Since I grew up loving Westerns and there, there were a few like fucking the preacher and take a hard ride. And then I wanted to do homage to as well. And then developed this story that was loosely based on Black Wall Street or Greenwood, the early Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the founding of that town. Okay, I can definitely see that because I, I was curious as far as the makeup of the town and you don't really bring attention to it. There's not a lot of times where, oh, isn't it weird that this person is dating this person? There's a lot of normalization of things, which I thought was fantastic. Thank you. Historically, there were a lot of stories like this when formerly freed black folks built towns that were thriving and they were faced with these circumstances where once they started to thrive, there would be powers that be that would try to take that that prosperity away from them. Now, with a project like this, like Black Dynamite, where it's really a passion project, what were some of the challenges that you face? Because I remember reading about this, I think I supported the Kickstarter Indiegogo quite a few years ago. What was that gestation period like for you? Yeah, it's a little weird because like with Black Dynamite, what I did was a concept trailer first. And so I did the same thing with Outlaw Johnny Black. But what confused people is, even though it was a one-day shoot, designed the trailer before I shot anything. And so I knew exactly what I was going to shoot. And once I got edited together, people thought it was a finished movie. Even though I tried to explain, you know, this is a concept. And they were like, so when is the movie coming out? No, it's a concept. And we tried to do a lot of things. Didn't really resonate. People thought, oh, you're looking for funds like to complete the movie? or So that kind of was a little bit of confusion. And then eventually got independent money to go into shooting and completing the, the actual movie. And so that happened. And we ran into something called the pandemic. And that slowed things up because our intention was to get this out to a theater-going audience. And so that time is now. It turned into something really positive because during the pandemic is when I, I edited the movie. And this was the first time I was just home sitting with all the material. And so I found myself basically editing by numbers, knowing what frame I was coming out of. And then I actually spotted all the music. My musical director, David Hollander, who was the same musical director for for Black Dynamite, had been focusing in nothing but Italian Western music for 10 years since we had done Black Dynamite. And just so happens, that was like the perfect storm. And so I had a library of a thousand songs or so from Ennio Marconi and all these Italian composers. And I constructed basically like I composed the soundtrack for Outlaw Johnny Black based on hearing the things that I got. And, and so I would then highlight scenes 
with music that I had drummed in my head. And so I never I've never spot composed movie before, but this is the first one I did because I had so much time to sit with the materials. The pandemic made me, it gave me time to really hone in on a lot of things I wouldn't have been able to do had it not been for the pandemic. You mentioned fucking the preacher man and I know Fred Williamson had been in some movies as well, the N-word Charlie. Yes. <laughs> Those two unmentionable movies. Yes, there was stuff for me to, to say that. But And then there was like, take a hard ride. Yeah. It was an interesting phenomenon that the black action movies moved into black westerns in the 70s, or at least there was quite a few of them. There's at least six or seven I can think of without really trying. Why do you think that was? Was that kind of, hey, we've never been allowed to play cowboys other than maybe like a Woody Strode, but was that for you that appealed? I'm doing homage to the historical fact that we had those type of movies. But a third movie that I was going to do in this vein was also a horror movie because we had those Blackula type of movies as well. But with this movie, I'm paying homage to Westerns just from start to finish. There's both lovers of Westerns are going to see little influences from a lot of classics. I think even from the trailer, you can see things from Terrence Hill and obviously Mel Brooks and those type of things. So yeah, so yeah, I believe that in that heyday of 70s Black filmmaking, they wanted to branch into everything. You have done so much over the years, acting, directing, producing, writing, stunt choreography, stunts. This is not your first rodeo, speaking of another Black film, Black Rodeo, but this is not your first rodeo. How is it for you directing yourself and being the director of a project like this? It's absolutely natural. It feels like I'm operating in my normal capacity. So it's actually a pleasure because then I don't have to worry about so many other things because I'm basically hiring people that I know can handle these different areas. And I'm detail-oriented anyway and love the problem-solving portion of it. I like logic puzzles. And I like dealing with people. And the fact that we're all basically, I always say, we're like kids who ran away and joined the circus and made a living at it. So this, it's just a joy to be able to do something that's in my heart and be joined with other people with the same scenario. I know we're going to win in the end anyway. The deck is stacked in our favor. So it's just a joy from start to finish for me. And I just, I don't know, there's nothing like more than doing that. And no, really, when it comes down to it, we're all servants. That's why I am. I'm a servant. I'm put on this earth to do that. Can you tell me a little bit about your crew? You must have had a really good working relationship with them. Yeah, that's a bit of something that I'm really proud of because a lot of the crew, like you might have lighting people or gaffers and all that type of stuff, and they pretty much they do their job and they go home. In this situation... This is the first time I've ever seen this. The crew were asking for scripts. They 
wanted to know. They really wanted to read the script because they got engaged with, with what we were doing. And it was the first time many of the crew members had told me that they've invited their family to the set because of the atmosphere. It really felt like extended family out there. So I, that's something I'm very proud of that occurred in this movie. And, you know, that, that way I want to do all I can to make people feel like if they're leaving their family, they're leaving their homes to take part in this piece of art that I want to make damn sure that they're going to be proud of. Where did you end up shooting this at? We shot it all around the, in California and Southern California. And uh, we, there was about three or four different Western sets that we used here. So one of them, when I shot my, my one day trailer issue, that was Paramount Ranch. And sadly that burned down. It burned down before we got the chance to shoot the physical production. But yeah, we used Universal, we used Sable Studios, Values A, Ranch, and Big Sky. I like to have these little uh, Easter eggs. So we used some historically poignant places. There was a, there's a, the cave that I escape in happens to be, for those nerds in, out there, that happens to be the Batcave. That is the Batcave from the Batman TV series. I wanted to go out of our way to use that because it's just part of history. And I got a chance to use, there's a tree where this ceremony occurs and Russell Peters' character mentions it is the tree of life or something like that. There's, but it is the Herbalife tree. I love these little nostalgic things that and these little breadcrumbs. But we use a lot of locales that had some significance you mentioned the Batcave, and I, it, you have done so many roles either directly, like Spawn or a Batman movie. You've done voices for at least Green Lantern. You've done a, a ton of stuff when it comes to comic books. Are you a comic book fan at heart? Not really. I'm very involved in that world, but never really was much of a comic book fan. And tell me about some of the people that you cast in here, because I know not only do you have to have good actors, but you also have to have some really good stunt people in here as well. I got a cast that dreams are made up. The only person I was seeing for the lead female was Anika Noni Rose, and she responded to that. And then Erica Ash. And I had one person as a father figure in my mind, which was the first person I went to, which was Glenn Turner. I think, oh my goodness, to work with people like that, I would forget to, to call cut because I'm just so enthralled watching this man work. But yeah, I feel like, I, I almost feel like I, I had insider like, people, like performers and just amazing individuals. All you had to do is put them in front of a camera. And then, you know, People like Randy Couture and Cowboy Cerrone. You know, people, there's such such a resonance that comes out of them because of what they've been through in life. They're like real-life superheroes. And so there's a lot that they don't even have to act through. 
they just like you could take a Randy Couture and you could put him right beside Charles Bronson and you go, they're from the same tribe. And so, yeah, I had these individuals that you don't second guess in a Western setting. I also appreciate that you bring the humor and you've got that nice balance between the humor and the action and the pathos of everything. Must have been a little, I would think, a little difficult to find that balance for you. It starts with the script. And not to pat myself on the back, it's got to be there. And that's the thing that, that draws the actors to it. I wanted to make sure I had a very balanced script. And weaving these tales and really... The most impactful storytelling is the storytelling that you can't see. You can't. So I don't want to telegraph. And so there's folks who expect to see a funny movie, but then they're blindsided by some messaging that I never want to come off as preachy. But deep down, it's the message of the movie. And it's a message that I'm proud to offer. I grew up with movies that had a morality to And that's something that's really infused in Westerns that I miss in movies today. And to offer a story of redemption and forgiveness. And I think that's something that we could use today. That's something I stand behind and I wanted to put out the end in the world. Now, you are never one to not be working. So what is next for you? It's kind of a gag order on talking about some things with this old strike thing going on. But yeah, I have a number of projects that are in the works that I feel represent the same brand that I'm showing in this movie. You can always entertain. You can always have butt kicking and action, but you're going to have a story that somebody could walk away gaining from. Mr. White, thank you so much for your time. This is great talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. N- nice to talk to another fellow Mike White, too.